Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The tennis world is holding court in Southern California for a fall edition of TC Live from Tennis Paradise. Coming up on today's show, we preview the four Americans taking the court with hopes of moving into the late rounds of the fifth slam in Indian Wells. Plus, was the NCAA title just the beginning for the Sheltons? We visit with the father-son duo that conquered college tennis in 2021. And it started with a chest bump and ends with a bang. We hear some unfiltered parting thoughts from the Bryant Bros on their way out of town. That looks pretty bushly. Buy the guy a razor. (laughs) Yesterday it was the tennis panda. Today we've got the tennis dragon. We're spitting fire on TC Live right now. Welcome to TC Live from the BNP Paribas Open, presented all two weeks by our friends at Verbo. It's our one-hour pregame show to get you ready for first ball every morning here in the Southern California desert. The first semifinal spots on the line for the ladies, while the men battle to make the final eight both here and at the ATP Finals. It's all happening in Tennis Paradise. A lot to get to on the show today. We've got all the big highlights, interviews, and Hall of Fame analysis, plus the always entertaining DraftKings player pools previews. And Daniil Medvedev goes golfing in the desert. You don't want to miss that. The young Italian Yannick Sinner kicking it later today. Yep, getting ready to go. This is what the players love at Indian Wells. The grass right by the tennis practice courts, playing a little soccer, taking on Taylor Fritz for the first time, looking to make his second Masters quarterfinal of the year. Inside Stadium One, we welcome you onto our tennis channel desk. Steve Weissman with former Wimbledon finalist Jeannie Bouchard here on TC Live. We've got James Blake, and we've got the Hall of Famer Andy Roddick as well. Great to have you on TC Live, Jeannie. Thank you, Steve. Happy to be here. And James, you've got some breaking news for us today. Breaking news, John Isner uh, gave the withdrawal to Yannick Sinner for good reason. He had his ba- or his wife had the, their <laughs> baby boy, James McKinley Isner, last night. Clearly named after his idol and mentor. You know, I, I take credit, full credit for the name, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Andy, I, uh, what do you think I, of that? I thought it, well, I thought it was weird that uh, John also has a mentor named James, and he's actually friends with James Blake, too. I thought that was weird. And, uh, what are the odds? <laughs> Uh, couldn't be happier for the couple, and uh, I heard that the baby came out, and it's already three feet tall, so congrats to the happy couple. <laughs> Third child for the Isners. Congratulations to John. Now he's got two sons to go with the daughter. Wish them all of the best. A lot to get to on the show today. A lot of featured matches as the men, all of the round of 16 matches going down today, and then half of the quarterfinals for the women. We start top of the hour. Diego Schwartzman and Casper Ruud. Jesse Pagula has had the best season of her career, taking on two-time champion Victoria Azarenka. And Shelby Rogers, happy birthday, Shelbs. The birthday girl taking on Yelena Ostapenko. That's in the night session, followed by Sasha Zverev and Gal Malfis. Let's take a look at our Tennis Express head-to-head between Daniil Medvedev and Grigor Dimitrov. It is 3-1 to the Russian. He has won all three meetings and all seven sets on the hard court. So you got to favor Medvedev in this one, James. What do you think? Yeah, Medvedev is just playing so well on hard courts right now. He's incredibly confident. He gives you the illusion of space, and then you really don't have anywhere to go because he covers the court so well. I think it's going to be extremely difficult for Dimitrov, especially on these courts. It's pretty slow. I just don't see him having the, the weapons to, to really put up much of a fight for uh, against Medvedev today. But, you know, that's why we play. We'll see. <laughs> I, uh, I actually love that term, illusion of space, and will use it and claim it as my own at somewhere down the road. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as, 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 as Mr. T once said, he said, prediction, pain. Medvedev is just firing in all cylinders. <laughs> you know, we talk about 
We talk about the movement. We talk about how he's able to move the ball from both sides. His intangibles are great. He just doesn't give easy points. He asks the question every every time. But we also often leave out the fact that the guy has 135 in his arm, right? It's not easy to break this guy, and he's making you do the work every single time in return games. Just the cumulative effect of how solid he is fighting for every game, return, serve. It's just its just a lot. He asks the question every single time, and over the course of two, two and a half hours, that's a lot. Jeannie, can Dimitrov cause any pain to Medvedev? Listen, he hasn't dropped a set here yet. I think it will be tough knowing the conditions here. They're very slow and gritty, and Medvedev loves to hang back and bide his time. So I think it'll be hard for Dimitrov to kind of power through that. I really see Medvedev hanging around, waiting for his shot, and doing what he does best on the court. All right, we will see as we break down all the matchups coming up later today. But first, let's get you caught up on what went down yesterday. We had that big match between Andy Murray and Alexander Zverev. Murray, the only member of the big four that Zverev had not beaten. And Andy, the Brit, went up a break early. Yeah, I love what he did tactically early. He stood way inside and kind of tried to intimidate Zverev on second serve returns. But the entire thing for this whole matchup was, was Murray going to be able to be able to create consistently and put pressure on Zverev with pace from the baseline on these slow courts? We know that Zverev can create uh, pace off of two feet. Uh, Murray, come back. I actually think physically he looked great. I think I thought his decision making in the in the kind of clutch moments was was average, which is something you don't really associate with with Andy Murray. But against these top players, they constantly ask you the question: Can you execute over long haul? Do you have a great game plan? And uh, you know, thankfully for Murray, Zverev couldn't actually hit an overhead within. He couldn't have uh, hit an overhead uh, into the ocean from the beach. But um, anyways, you can see Murray very upset with with losing this. Uh, he had a, a one-word tweet with a uh, with a period at the end. I can't repeat it uh, on TV, but uh, he obviously was not happy. But credit to Zverev, the guy is uh, the guy just keeps winning. I think it's 19 out of 20 or 20 out of 21 now. 19 out of 20. You were you were spot on, Andy Roddick and. Andy Murray expounded upon that one word when he went inside the press room. Can you see that you played very well despite I completely understand your frustration in not coming through? No, I didn't play. I, I, I'm not saying he played great either, but I don't think I played well today. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of mistakes. Um, it, was, it was sort of... There was some, some good stuff in there, but it was mixed in with mixed in with bad there was no sort of like consistency I don't think that sort of uh, I don't know like my my sort of average level was was just not really there today it was either good or bad so, so for a guy Jeannie who, who's a future Hall of Famer he's won three majors this guy's been number one in the world and he says you know he didn't play his best tennis and yet he was so close with a guy who's playing better tennis than arguably anyone other than Daniil Medvedev, are there moral victories for Andy Murray? Uh, what did you see out there? Yes, there definitely are. I know Andy likes to be hard on himself. He tends to be negative, but I think there are a lot of positives to take away. I watched that match, and I thought his movement looked some of the best it's been since his comeback, uh, since his hip surgery. And, you know, to compete with number four in the world, uh, two tight sets over two hours, that's the level he wants to be playing at. I think, I think there are positives. Yeah, I'm going to be optimistic as well. Positives for both sides. Uh, for Andy Murray, coming off a three-hour match and coming back and knowing that his body can recover that quickly, that's a huge moral victory. Uh, as far as the tennis, he knows he can play better, and I think that's a, a huge positive that he can take from this is that he's competing with four in the world even when he's not playing his best tennis. And for Sasha Zverev, as Andy said, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with an overhead and then just put that behind him. And you know, for a year or two, we were talking about his struggles with double faults. He somewhat put that behind him, but we were talking about that when he was still five and six in the world so mentally being able to put awful awful overheads behind him and then go right back and still make good decisions in big moments i think there's positives on both sides of this match yeah, Zverev, Zverev's matches don't feel like a roller coaster anymore, right? They used to kind of have these peaks and valleys to him, and he's kind of leveled off uh, to James's point. But listen, the good news about this is that we're actually talking about Murray's form as far as tennis, right? We're not talking about, is he going to ever be able to play again? Will he ever be the same? Okay, he won't be the same, but the fact that he's moving in and out of corners pretty well, the fact that he's more concerned with how he played and uh, he's kind of judging that disappointment as opposed to the disappointment of, of his body not being able to actually perform at all physically. You know, I, I think that's a net positive. 
That's a great point, Andy. And for Sasha Zverev, he gets to check off the final box. <laughs> All of the big four he has now taken down. Stefano Tsitsipas in action yesterday as well. He leads all players on the ATP Tour in match wins this year. Had never lost to Fabio Fonini, James. You thought this one was going to be an easy straight-through match. Yeah, and once again, I was wrong. Not the first <laughs> time, won't be the last. Um, I, you know, I just must have discredited set. the fact that Fabio Fonini has that easy power. And when it gets going, when his mind is into it and he's fully engaged, he can be dangerous for just about anyone. This is a guy that's beaten Rafa Nadal on play a few times. He can beat and hang with anyone in the world. And in the first set and a half, he was doing yeah, that with Tsitsipas. He was really controlling play. Tsitsipas really steadied himself, almost like he woke up a little bit, and then started frustrating Fonini. His serve started being more effective, and he was really doing a much better job returning Fonini's serve. Fonini started getting a few more first serves in, but was really dropping in how many, uh, how many points he was winning on that first serve. Tsitsipas, it got a little tense at the end. They didn't have exactly the friendliest of handshakes. Fonini wasn't thrilled with what he thought was coaching going on. Uh, I think a lot of players have voiced those concerns, and they had a, they had a few words at the end of it. In the end, though, it, it's Stefano Tsitsipas moving on and Fabio Fonini going on. That, that last second little handshake for the, uh, the chair umpire. Taylor Fritz told me he remembers coming to this event growing up, Andy, and watching Andy Murray looking for his first top ten win in two years, taking on Matteo Berrettini. Yeah, and listen, James just got the scoreline wrong with uh, Fonini and Tsitsipas. I got the scoreline wrong, the result wrong. The, the form wrong. I got it all wrong on this one, but uh, Berrettini kind of missing uncharacteristically. Uh, Taylor Fritz did a good job of coming forward, and uh, another thing that I said wrongly yesterday was that uh, Taylor was going to struggle because he takes full cuts on returns. He actually made me look like a dummy, not tough, but started chipping down some forehand returns, making Berrettini play, and Berrettini was making some weird errors that he normally doesn't make, like that ball right there, halfway up the net. That is not something that we have seen uh, throughout this year. His consistency has been amazing, uh, but not on the day. That's why we lace him up. That's why we play him. And after having struggled to close out the first set, was up a double break and actually had to break to win the set. Uh, Taylor played a really strong game. Serving it out is one of the toughest things to do in tennis. He has struggled with that before, and you can see how much it means to him right there. Well done, Taylor Fritz. Not the best day for Berrettini, but Taylor moving on. Andy's been wrong. James has been wrong. I messed up our regional open today. Jeannie's the only one who has been perfect so far. <laughs> Shelby Rogers, too, on the women's side, taking on Layla Fernandez, trying to make the quarterfinals here for the very first time, Jeannie. Don't put that kind of pressure on me, Steve. <laughs> yes, this was a great match yesterday. We saw Layla in the first set looking like her U.S. Open self, taking the ball early, Dang. controlling the point. But Shelby got back into it after that. She used her big serve uh, in these uh, light air conditions. She used her kick serve, which was really effective against Fernandez, who's a little more on the petite side, and her forehand from the middle of the court to impose her game more. And then we got to that third set tie break, and it was all mental from there. Uh, a kind of brain cramp here from Fernandez, who did a drop shot that was really deep, and, and usually she's really good with that touch. But kudos to Shelby because she fought till the very end and got a huge win. Yeah, this was massive for Shelby Rogers at 36 winners. She's now won nine of her last 11 matches. Layla Fernandez still, what a great run getting to the U.S. Open Finals and deep in this draw. But Shelby so fired up. It's her birthday today. Happy birthday to Shelby Rogers. Jesse Pagula, another American, getting married in nine days, but remains completely engaged in her game here. Dominated Alina Spitalina right from the start to finish. Yes, Jeannie. can we talk about that wedding for a second? How is she <laughs> focused on this tournament? She's literally getting married, I think, in nine days yep. now. I know her really well. She's one day older. She was born one day before me, and I can't believe she's getting married because I'm like, what am I doing with my life? But... <laughs> She played really well. <laughs> You're um, on TC Live. You're hanging with James Blake and Andy Roddick. You're good. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but she has her big ground stroke. She can power through Svitolina, and that's exactly what she did. Even though the court is gritty here, she was able to hit winners from all yeah, over the court and just power through Svitolina, who seemed to be hampered by an injury but also wasn't playing her best. Yeah, first top ten win for Shelps came against Svitolina. Excuse me, for Pagula came against Svitolina earlier this year in Australia. This is her seventh. Top 10 win of the season, 19 winners as she is on to the quarterfinals. And how about this? Moving ahead safely, some other players presented by Progressive as we take a look at the scores. And half of Gem's life did well. Svitolina loses, Gal moves on. 
Yes, I'm looking forward to his match later on, but he had some great points last night. We were watching that against Kevin Anderson. Um, just, it was very routine, actually. Yeah. Sometimes his matches can be topsy-turvy, but he was very routine. Angebert looks like she's going to crack the top 10 for the first time. Congratulations. Paula Bedosa having the best season of her life. And Corinne Hatchinoff, no trouble at all with Pablo Carina Busta. We've got the chairman and CEO of World Team Tennis coming up later on TC Live. Plus, it is a family affair in Florida. After a first NCAA title, we will tell you what new Gators history was made this past weekend. You're watching TC Live at Indian Wells. Tennis Channel Live at the BNP Paribas Open is presented by Verbo. Your together awaits. Steve, Jeannie, James, Andy back on TC Live. We've got a new game on Tennis.com. Go to predictor.tennis.com. It is the Match Point Predictor game. Answer seven questions correctly for a chance to join us next year. A VIP trip to Indian Wells. Do it quickly. This game locks at the top of the hour. you got about 40 minutes left to play. And to lock down today's forecast, here's Fox Weather. I'm meteorologist Britta Merwin, and here's your BNP Paribas open weather forecast. Another beautiful day in Indian Wells. A cool morning warming up to 80 degrees this afternoon with plenty of sunshine and a light breeze. For more information, go to foxweather.com. Precise, personal, powerful. Fox Weather coming October 25th. Thanks so much. Our daily coverage also starts with TC Live every single day, 1 p.m. Eastern, followed by the day session. We've got live coverage on our Sinclair Regional Sports Networks, the great Leif Shiras and Jan Michael Gamble. The night session starts 9 p.m. Eastern with encore coverage right up until TC Live the next day. So keep whatever device you use on Tennis Channel all day, every day. When we come back, a special father-son story from Florida. Top of the hour, it's Schwartzman and Rude. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Back on TC Live, presented by Verbo. When Brian Shelton took over the Florida men's tennis program, his son Ben was in elementary school. Nearly 10 years later, Ben would clinch the Gators' first men's NCAA championship. It is a father-son tennis story for the ages. Coaching in college, there's nothing that's better than that. Anything that you do individually gets trumped tenfold by what you can do collectively with a team. I started at the University of Florida in 2012, and we're talking about a powerhouse athletic department. We get some of the best junior players around the world coming into school here. I mean, it's a cool time to be part of these young players' development. There's nothing better. My family certainly values athletics. So when Ben came along and he was born, you know, I certainly wanted him to pursue some form of, of athletics. I didn't really want anything to do with tennis. I was like, okay, that's their thing. My dad can be the coach and my sister can be the player. So I didn't start at first. It was more my sister. She got into it. I went out there and played a few times with her and I was like, okay, like, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. This is something that I could uh, really get into. So he decided to start coming out with his sister, Emma, and I, and we started working out in the mornings, and he started developing a love for the game. He was recruited by a lot of different schools around the country. Ben made the decision to stay here, but it wasn't an easy decision. I wanted to go somewhere where I thought we could win a national championship, and I thought that I could improve the most in tennis and uh, get a good education. 
So for him, he saw the benefit of being here and playing for me, and he thought that we could do something special together. I mean, he's a little bit tougher on me at times, but I know what he wants me to do, and uh, he knows what I'm trying to do, so we work pretty well together. The national championship was nuts. So we were playing Baylor. I was really only focused on my match. I was pretty nervous at this point. He hit a serve, and I kind of like half shanked it in. Yeah! Wow! I don't know, it was just kind of instinct, like I hadn't planned any celebration or anything, and I just tossed my racket in the air, and then saw my teammates uh, running at me, going nuts, like that was an insane experience. Just overwhelming to be in that moment and to have my son there, you know, clinching that match. and for us to be able to celebrate there together and for him to come over and give me a big hug and his freshman year. <laughs> I'm so proud of these guys. I'm so proud of our program for where we are. We haven't really lost in the SEC the last couple of years. So that's 13 and 0, both years. To do it in the SEC, I mean, we're arguably the best conference in the country in tennis. I'm just super proud of Ben for where he is right now as a young man. To see his growth, what he's done academically here, and how he's just matured as a person over this past year, it's incredible. I definitely want to try to play pro. I want to get my degree, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But. I definitely, when I'm done with college, want to try to play professional tennis. Such a cool story. Congratulations to the Sheltons. Uh, James, I remember you telling me, maybe it was a couple years ago, when one of your daughters won a big soccer game, it meant more to you than any tennis match ever did. H how special is this for the Sheltons? I mean, I hadn't seen that piece before, and I got goosebumps at least three times during it. Um, seeing the connection, father and son, seeing him get to, to be a part. I, I, know, I don't know Ben. I know Brian pretty well, and um, one of the nicest human beings in the world, and him getting to see the maturation of his son, having him there, celebrating together. Little thing I noticed as well with, with Ben going over, still shaking the hand of his Baylor opponent. I mean... He, he, I'm sure he gets that from his dad, the absolute class. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how special that must be to have that father-son bond and to be together, making history together. I'm, I'm so happy for that Shelton family, and I, I want to see him have even more success. Yeah, even, even in the story that was about the two of them, you didn't hear I, me, my very often, right? It was we, we've, uh, got, we're, we're, we've been undefeated in the SEC, and, you know, it was Ben that did it, and, you know, Ben was crediting his father, you know, the, the, the dynamic between the two is like almost enough to make you actually cheer for Florida. <laughs> almost, almost. <laughs> yeah, it was, I love this story. It was such a sweet moment between the, the father and the son. And I um, never went the college route. And so I see this and I feel like I missed out a little bit. And I missed out on that team experience. Like Andy was saying, it's, it's not just about you, but the whole team and um, something Part of me wishes I did, obviously grateful for my life and the way it went, but um, those are like lifelong memories. Yeah, they really are. By the way, Brian Shelton becoming the first college tennis coach ever to win a men's and women's NCAA title. He did the women's at Georgia Tech before coming to Florida. So just how good is the youngster, Ben Shelton? Well, he made more history for the University of Florida just this weekend. He was the first Florida Gator to win the ITA All-American singles title, beat August Holmgren in the final. A player who just beat Jordan Thompson in qualies in San Diego. Ben didn't drop a set, Andy, against six ranked opponents. Yeah, and listen, I could add on here. Obviously, the kids got some game. Uh, the general leftiness of things will help. But listen, we, we have someone sitting right there uh, at that desk who had success in college and had to make that transition out of it. So I'm, I'm more curious to hear what James has to say about this. Well, 
Um, for me, I would say to see his growth already, um, and I'm just watching from afar, I'm not in those practices, but he was playing five in those national uh, NCAA title matchups. And now for him to go and win one of the majors, one of the four college majors, that's a huge step up. He made, he, he made so much progress. So I think he made the right choice going and learning and growing under his, under his father, who's doing a great job coaching him to success there, success in the pros, having a win in, in U.S. Open qualities as well, a close match with, with Botic in, in the qualities. His, his improvement improvement is so rapid and the fact that he took it up late I'm seeing a lot of potential here and if he wants to make that that transition I think he's going to have the opportunity I know he says he wants to get that degree but a few more wins on tour and he might think yeah maybe I'll maybe I'll go with this and get my degree a little later yeah I mean listen we've seen the transition work out really well we've got a guy Cam Norrie playing today he was a former number one in college now he's 26 in the world genie and on the women's side we've seen players like Danielle Collins and Jen Brady I mean get to a major final that's right. Those are the two names that come to mind when we talk about the women, Daniel Collins and Jennifer Brady. They've done really well since the college days, and I feel like we're seeing that more and more. I feel like it's more of a trend. Maybe take some time to mature, to hone your game a little bit in that team college atmosphere. Um, and, and, you know, before we would have thought this is not possible, but now I think it's just becoming more common. Absolutely. And by the way, Ben's sister, Emma, who they referenced in the piece, just transferred to Florida this summer from South Carolina. So now we have three Sheltons in Gainesville, all a part of that Florida Gators tennis program. Much more still to come here on TC Live as we lead up to the top of the hour. Diego Schwartzman and Casper Rude. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to TC Live at Indian Wells. Our coverage of the BNP Paribas Open continues at the top of the hour. The women's quarterfinals are underway. Jesse Pagula taking on Victoria Azarenka. We've got the birthday girl, Shelby Rogers, playing Yelena Ostapenko. And all of the men's round of 16 matches being played today. Back on our Tennis Channel desk, happy to be joined by Eric Davidson, the chairman and CEO of World Team Tennis. Fantastic event. It is the 46th season, Eric, of World Team Tennis. Correct. And this year, it is all happening right here at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. So last year you had it at the Greenbrier. How did you secure tennis paradise for World Team Tennis? <laughs> well, thank you, Steve. We are very, very excited to be here at the BNP Paribas and to be playing at the tennis uh, the ten Indian Wells Tennis Garden in November. Um, our Greenbrier event was very successful. We were the one of the first pro events, uh, first tennis events, certainly, during COVID to come back out. And it was an extremely successful event. We had record-setting TV viewership. And it was, it was, we had great attendance, even with the restrictions. Um, and then we thought that that worked so well with the one event that we would go with uh, the same single event, uh, single location event this year. And we decided that this is such a, this is such a great event that why not play at this place? And November in the desert is a wonderful time of year to be here. So obviously, what, what can fans expect to see coming here November 13th for this two-week event? Uh, a lot of fun, basically. We are, uh, our format is really, really exciting for the fans. It's, uh, it's a great entertainment around professional tennis. Uh, we have you know, live music, DJs, um, other entertainment. The format itself, men and women playing together, uh, you know, mixed doubles, doubles, singles, men's and women's singles. Um, it's really the only professional league that has men and women playing on the same team. And it's just a lot of fun and excitement. Uh, can't wait for this event, Eric. Who are some of the big superstars that we can expect to see at World Team Tennis this year at Indian Wells? Uh, this year we, have a, we probably have one of our best lineups ever. Um, maybe since Billie Jean King and Chris Everett and Jimmy Connors and those guys were playing regularly. Uh, we have John Isner, Sloane Stevens, Layla Fernandez, the U.S. Open finalist. Um, 
among others. I mean, it's going to be a really outstanding lineup this year. Kim Kleister's the Hall well, of Famer. The, the Brian, be the there Brian as well. The Brian, Brian brothers. brothers also, yes. Yeah. So, so maybe they'll have another concert. Uh, <laughs> you, you own one of the teams, Eric, the, the, the OC Breakers, uh, obviously the CEO as well. You, you played some tennis growing up. I, I believe you said you have a win over Stevie Johnson? <laughs> yes, but he was 14. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what got you into world team tennis and wanting to be a part of this uh, amazing endeavor? Uh, one of my best friends is, is Rick Leach, and uh, he was, he's my, the coach of the Breakers. And he uh, asked me if I had any interest in getting into the tennis business, and um, I said no. And three months later, I bought the Breakers. <laughs> but it's kind of a full circle for me because uh, my father was a sports entrepreneur. He, he founded the American Basketball Association, World Hockey Association, and helped, helped Billie Jean and Larry King when they started World Team Tennis back in 74. So it's, uh, it's, very, it's very satisfying and to my father particularly to go this full circle and get back into world team tennis. That's so cool, Eric. And, and Rick Leach, by the way, the brother-in-law of our own Hall of Fame commentator, Lindsey Davenport. Correct, correct. Uh, it, it's a pleasure having you up here on the Tennis Channel desk. Look forward to seeing you in November for the world team tennis event. Thank you very much, Steve. We encourage everybody to come out in November to the Tennis Garden. Absolutely. It's Tennis Paradise. It's World Team Tennis. And here is exactly what is going down November 13th to the 28th right here at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. we got 31 matches over 16 days. It's on the Nobu Court. Stadium 2, five teams competing for the King Trophy. And you see those big names, the Bryan brothers, Layla Fernandez, Sloane Stevens, Francis Tiafo in the house. Go to WTT.com to purchase tickets. It's much more TC Live after this. Back on TC Live, presented by Verbo. Don't miss any of the women's year-end championship excitement in Mexico. Tennis Channel will have complete exclusive live coverage of the Akron WTA Finals in Guadalajara. That's where Jeannie made the finals earlier this year in March. Top eight women, top eight doubles teams competing for the prestigious ultimate titles of the 2021 season. It all begins Wednesday, November 10th, right here on Tennis Channel. Let's take a look at the current Porsche race to Guadalajara. And Aljabur, with her effort so far, just got into that final eighth spot. Now, Ash Barty and Naomi Osaka not likely to make the trip either way. Paula Bedosa and Jesse Pagula can both still get in by winning the event in Indian Wells. Time now for our tennis topics presented by Verbo, and let's break down some of these matches, including Jesse Pagula, who has a lot on the line. I mean, she's got the wedding. She's, <laughs> she's got potential WTA finals, and she's playing today against Victoria Azarenka, Jeannie. How do you see this match going? I see a really tough match. I think Azarenka, who's won twice here before, loves this place, loves these conditions. As a player, you tend to like certain tournaments or not. And so if she likes it, she'll feel good no matter what. Um, can can Pagula power through her? Can she keep doing what she's been doing great this whole week? And can Azarenka disrupt her? And whoever does qualify for Guadalajara, I do have to say that place has crazy altitude. I, I got there the day before because I was at a previous tournament and my first four returns hit the fence of the match. So they want to get there early and adjust their game to that. Wow. I'd hit four returns hitting the fence anyway, whether it's altitude or not. So that that's just me. But um, I would say Jesse Pagula might want to plan her honeymoon around being in Guadalajara because I think she can get through this match. I think the way she's playing, I've loved the way she's played. I think she plays a little bit similar to Azarenka, both great ball strikers. I think the way Pagula is playing, though, I see her uh, as a slight favorite in this match, and she could go even further and, and get herself to, to Guadalajara. So I feel like that's a nice honeymoon, isn't it? Pretty nice place. I think so, Andy. Yeah, I mean, listen, you don't you don't have seven top ten wins in one season uh, by on accident, right? Pagula's playing great stuff. Obviously, as Jeannie mentioned, Azarenka has the good feels here in Indian Wells. It's going to be first-strike tennis, right? It's going to be whoever executes the game plans. Stylistically, you know, they, they've both played players who are going to step up and kind of go try to go through the court. Uh, I, I'd look for who can maybe change directions and get the pattern they want uh, most often. 
Jenny, you mentioned Azarenka, a two-time champion here. She has 31 wins in her career at Indian Wells. So only three other players have actually gotten more wins than Azarenka. How do you think these courts suit her game? Why is she so successful here? Well, look, she's a great player, first and foremost. She's won lots of matches everywhere. But I think she has the good ground strokes, but also the consistency. And with these slightly slower conditions here, she can stay in the point and kind of outgrind her opponent. And she makes it so hard to play against her because she's just like a wall. All right, looking forward to that matchup. Jesse Pagula and Shelby Rogers, the first two Americans to make the quarterfinals here in the same year. Since 2003, Shelby Rogers is taking on Yelena Ostapenko. So a lot of power on that side. Let's take a look at the Tennis Express head-to-head between these two players. And right now, the Latvian leads 2-0 against Shelby, including that one in Charleston. Ostapenko came from match point down to win in 2019. What's going to be the key to this matchup, Jeannie? It is worth noting that all of these players had to play yesterday. So they're coming right off of their match wins yesterday. And Shelby had a 7-6 in the third. So we'll see how she recovers from that. I do think the match is more on Ostapenko's racket. She's kind of a hit-or-miss type of player, very high risk. Shelby has great power to her shots, but Ostapenko kind of goes for it on every single shot. So we'll see how she does. They're playing the night match, so the conditions will be a bit cooler. Slow the ball down more just a little bit. And it'll be who can kind of hit who off the court. Yeah, I agree. They're, stylistically, they're similar. They're both uh, both hitting through the court. Uh, Shelby has gain, is gaining and gaining in confidence. She's getting so much better from U.S. Open, having that great run there, defeating Ash Barty. Uh, but I do agree, it's it's totally on Ostapenko's racket. She's the type that's just going to be swinging for the fences, going for lines. And I do think mentally it does uh, play a little bit of a role in Shelby Rogers having a match point, not getting over the hurdle, uh, over that hurdle, last hurdle to get a win against Ostapenko. There's sometimes where players where you just feel like you can't quite get over that. And so I think maybe there's a slight edge for Ostapenko in having that 2-0 uh, head-to-head matchup. Yeah, and the, the one thing that I can see here is that the, the, the thing that Shelby Rogers has to do is, is serve well. Later, late on in that match against Layla yesterday, she landed some pretty big first serves where she was getting some free points. She's going to have to do that with Ostapenko. And uh, for Ostapenko, she's the type of person when you see her in the quarterfinals of a tournament, you're going – okay, she's landing the body blows, right? She's, she's throwing those uppercuts and they're landing. Whereas when you see her first, second round in a draw, you're going, we don't know what we're going to see. She's kind of proved concept as far as, you know, consistency with this tournament. So I look at her name a lot differently when she's already made a quarterfinal as opposed to a first or second round. I, I feel like Ostapenko gets through. That's such a great point, Andy. Uh, the X factor may be, Jeannie, the fact that it, it's Shelby's birthday today, right? So, <laughs> so, so she's got that going on. Plus, the atmosphere was electric yesterday when she was taken on Layla Fernandez. you got to think the crowd is going to be in her favor. How much could that help her get over the top? That could. The crowd always plays a factor, and I think she kind of won over the crowd yesterday. They actually were a little bit more for Layla in the beginning of the match, but Shelby, with her grit and her fight at the end, they obviously supported her so much. So we'll see. Um, I feel like, like Andy was saying, Osipenko is really like a go-all-the-way-or-not type of player. So if she's past those first few rounds where she could be off her game, that means she's locked into this tournament and feeling good on the court. All right, by the end of today, Jit, go ahead. I think sometimes it's tougher to play on your birthday. I think we should ask Andy. Andy's play every year. He used to play on his birthday at the U.S. Open, and I just I always felt like it was tough. I didn't want to bother him and say happy birthday because <laughs> I knew he was focused on his match. Yeah, that was correct. You don't want to hear it all day, honestly. Like, she should have ended it right after Steve Weissman served her that beautiful dessert from Spago on set yesterday. She should have just put that in the closet and said, no one talk to me about birthdays. A birthday <laughs> gift will be if we get to this match. <laughs> <laughs> she really enjoyed it, and, and she took the brownies to go as well. I agree. I've actually lost more on my birthday than not, so yeah. it's never a good thing. It's like this extra weird pressure that you don't want to handle. <laughs> I say it's going to be a celebration tonight for Shelby Rogers in the desert. When we come back, it is the DraftKings Player Pools preview as we lead up to first ball action here at Indian Wells. Diego Schwartzman and Casper Rude, 2 Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Tennis Channel Live at the BNP Paribas Open is brought to you in part by DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Daily Fantasy, sports betting, and free-to-play pools. All customers can compete for their share of $30,000 in prizes all tournament long. Use code ACE when you sign up today. By Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by 
Marcus by Goldman Sachs. You can money with Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Blake Bouchard, Roddick Weissman back on TC Live. Our featured matches on this Wednesday. We got the men's fourth round and the women's quarterfinals. Beginning with Diego Schwartzman and Casper Ruud. Then the top seed, Daniil Medvedev, Jesse Pagula. Nine days away from the big wedding. Taking on Victoria Azarenka and the birthday girl herself playing Yelena Ostapenko. Night session has Gal Monfils up to his usual magic against Alexander Zverev. A reminder to download any of the DraftKings apps, enter their free-to-play pools every single day of the tournament. All customers can compete for a shot at $30,000 in total prizes by answering questions like who will win the match or who will have the most aces and use that code ACE when you sign up today. Time now for our DraftKings player pool preview. So it's going to be Jeannie, James, and Andy. Going head-to-head-to-head to head to head in this one. Uh, Gina, this is your first time. you excited? I'm nervous, actually. <laughs> have, you, have you done all the calculations, the math? I have so many numbers in my head right now, I'm not even going to speak properly. <laughs> so we are going to start with an over-under of our first matchup. Diego Schwartzman, Casper Ruud. We're saying over-under 22.5 games total in this match. What do you think? I'm saying over because I just think that's going to be a grind of a match, and I'm looking to some big battle, some three-set something. Yep. All right. Going over, James. Yeah, I'm going over as well. I'm going to say it could be a, a very well could be a three-setter. Andy? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the over. I, I did the – I carried the two, and then I I, I think it's over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they played three-setters three times. It's 4-2 head-to-head for Schwartzman. So uh, all three of our analysts going over for this one. We're going to stay with 22-and-a-half games for our next one, Jeannie. This one is Tommy Paul and Cam Norrie over under 22-and-a-half. Uh, going under on this one, I think whoever starts winning will just win. I think it'll be pretty short and sweet. I want to go over on this one. Uh, I think Tommy Paul's playing great, but I don't think Cam Norrie gives you anything for free. I think this one could be a couple of tiebreakers, possibly. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to go over uh, because James went to Harvard, so I'll agree with him. <laughs> he, he, he's good with the numbers. Uh, they, they played one time. It was back in 2016. It was a challenger. That one went three sets. So, you know, that, that would. Okay, guys, I'll be wrong. I get it. <laughs> you, to play. you haven't been wrong all day. You, yeah, so... you're the one that's been flawless so far. So we'll see. We shall see. Uh, Daniil Medvedev, and we've got him taking on Grigor Dimitrov. This one we're going a little less. So 20 and a half games because the folks at DraftKings think Medvedev is better. What do you think? Over under? I, and I agree with that, and even more so. So I'm going under as well. I think Medvedev is just playing too good, and will be there every single game, grinding away, and it'll be hard for Dimitrov to break through and win more games to go over. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. One break each set. I don't see that as being that that out of the out of the context for uh, for Daniil Medvedev. I think he can definitely take this three and three or four and four. I was undecided, but I'm going to go full contrarian mode and just go over and, and just really hope. <laughs> <laughs> Dimitrov's been playing well. He, he's so comfortable out here. I mean, he's staying at, at a friend's house that has a tennis court. He's got tons of friends. He said he moved here when he was like 14 to go to some academies. So, I don't know. I, I think, I think Andy, you got something here. It, it may be longer than we think it's going to be. Uh, download any of those DraftKings apps for free today. Use that code ACE when you sign up. Time now to enter the social net. And we've got an interesting tweet here. Shea Suwei, Elisa Mertens, they're one of the top doubles teams in the world. The tweet says, Shea Suwei, one word, legendary. She's got on the, the dragon costume. I mean, Halloween's coming up, end of the month. Shea, t- tell us what's up with that. This is from the physio room. And they was helping us for the whole year. They working so hard, and they give me this. Yesterday, the girl was uh, wearing this. It was her birthday, so she requests. So I think, okay, I do it. Jeannie, <laughs> <laughs> players just love her in the locker room. She's so funny. She's so silly and so unexpected. You never know what's going to come out of her mouth, what's going to come off of her racket. Just one of those super unexpected players. Um, the question is why the physio even gave that to her in the first place. The question is, I thought it was a dinosaur, not a dragon. Still lots of questions. Got to figure this out. Great to see. I mean, she's so funny. At least Martin's looked like she didn't know what was going on. But like Jeannie said, always unexpected coming from her.
A- Andy, if, if yeah, Cordial you- had given you something like that to wear, would you have... Uh- <laughs> Yeah, listen, you want to impress me, you got to wear it during a match. You know, wearing it in a post-match interview is pretty easy. <laughs> and or, but also, like, I never really thought of, like, helmets, right? Like, it's another endorsement opportunity. Smart move. <laughs> Maybe she'll make a cameo in the edition of Game of Thrones. When that comes, who knows? We need some more dragons out on the court. Uh, Jeannie, this one is for you. Daniil Medvedev playing some golf here in the desert, but he is wearing a New York Rangers jersey he's wearing a new york rangers number 10 jersey while he is playing golf i know you're, you're a maple leafs fan right oh my gosh no no is Who, that a joke what, what's your are you canadians i'm from you're montreal. Montreal. montreal my bad canadians. I, that's I, a huge I mix, rivalry up, I mix up my canadian cities at first when you said this is for you he plays golf i'm like that is not for me that is for james <laughs> and andy because i'm sure they play golf a lot better than me but either yes. way you hate the rangers <laughs> not hate of course not but got to see him representing a little bit of the nhl I'm I'm looking at that swing and it's 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 not impressive. I'm, I'm <laughs> not much more impressed by his tennis game and uh, possibly probably his hockey game better than than that uh, that putting stroke. Andy, you, you want to critique the the putting there? Yeah, well, I'm watching. I'm going. Okay, does he just look really bad and like is it amazing at it? Kind of like tennis, honestly. Like you know, you see him hit a tennis ball. It's like this guy's not going to win the U.S. Open. Then he wins the U.S. Open. Second, I think it's like a low key low key flex with the uh, with the outfit. It's like okay, I'll I'll do the ultimate tip of the cap to Happy Gilmore and I'll take it all the way. It's such a Medvedev thing to do. You'll have, you need to get him a Canadian's jersey. I think he's wearing slides also. Yeah. He just looks like he doesn't care at all. So that it fits with his personality. So, so, so probably a scratch handicap. <laughs> uh, on our regional sports networks today, we've got a couple of great matches for you. Leif Shires, Jan Michael Gamble will be on the call for these two. Aslan Karatsev taking on Hubie Hercotch. He needs to get into the ATP finals. He's right on the outside right now. Ninth in the race to Turin. And then Tommy Paul. One of two Americans remaining in the draw, taking on Cam Norrie of Great Britain. Two Eastern, 11 Pacific, back with some previews after this. Back on TC Live, presented by Verbo. First match of the day will be called... By the multiple-time Indy Wells champ, Jim Courier in the house with Brett Haber. Looking forward to this one. Diego Schwartzman and Casper Ruud. First day here for Courier. Love to see it. Schwartzman and Ruud coming up top of the hour. We've had some great folks working with us here at Indian Wells. Jeannie Bouchard next to me. And, of course, the Bryan brothers have been here all week long. Yesterday, they said farewell, but not before Haber gave them their exit interview. Guys, uh, really good week. You guys are pretty good at this broadcasting thing. We've had a blast. We've learned a lot up here. Um, it's not an easy gig. Haber's been carrying us 17 Emmys by Haber. All right, enough. We've only got 16 Grand Slams, so maybe we'll trade a Wimbledon for an Emmy. <laughs> But we'll, we'll do it again, maybe. It's a little bit of a learning curve. Yeah, like Mike said, we, we kind of like this gig. You know, you're not getting sweaty. You don't have to put on the sunscreen. You just get up here in the AC and just chill. So not a bad gig. Any any surprises? Any parting thoughts as you head out? Well, I, I was actually surprised. I thought we'd see Roddick with us. I've heard he's been working for the Tennis Channel. But he's at home. He's on Zoom. He doesn't even come to work. Um, and he's not dressed very well. He doesn't shave for the job. I mean, I don't know how you guys let him do it. He's wearing a hat, T-shirt. He's just chilling in his living room. He used to be a hard worker on the court. Now he's just lounging around on the couch. I mean, Andy, come on, buddy. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Not he, not acting number one material. That's in your not bed. professional. That's not disciplined. You know, his whole career has been a hard worker. This is that looks pretty bush league. Buy the opinion. guy a razor. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm feel there's like a there's like a big pressure campaign. I've never been shamed so much for not being present somewhere. Uh, but I you know I, listen credit to Bob and Mike. I thought they did a very average job. <laughs> it's weird. People are calling for you to be here. Most times people want to get rid of you, Andy, and now everyone wants you to be on set. I don't, I don't get it. It's so confusing. So Andy, confusing. what what were your last? <laughs> <laughs> what what were those last text text messages to Bob that from yesterday's uh, performance? Well, yeah, yesterday I actually came around. I said you're 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 getting good just in time to quit forever. <laughs> <laughs>
The Andes, Andy Murray, Andy Roddick, giving Bob Ryan a hard time. But the, the Bryan brothers, it was so cool to have them here. I mean, they're absolute legends, Jeannie. They're really funny. They're such a fun duo. My question is, though, why didn't they stay out to the end of the tournament? They're kind of bailing. I mean, if they're going <laughs> to give <Wow>. Andy, <laughs> if they're going to be so hard on Andy, we got to call them out as well. Oh, Guys, why, why did you just leave right now? I don't get it. <laughs> we are just throwing I, folks under the yeah. bus left and right. I mean, I, I would like to, but I mean, I know Bob's got three kids at home, and I know the wrath that can come if you're gone for more than a couple weeks at a time. So he's got to get home. Mike's got to get home to his son as well. But uh, they did, as, as Andy said, they did a very, very average job. Come were, on. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're great. We love them. We love their energy. I mean, if only they could get to Wayne Bryan energy, um, then they'd really be superstars. Then they would be the hype man for Andy (laughs) Roddick rapping. So that's (laughs) all right. We've got a lot to get to. Uh, We are just moments away from walkouts on Stadium One. Diego Schwartzman and Casper Rude. James, uh, thoughts on this match? Uh, Casper Rude's won the last two um, relatively convincingly. Uh, I think this one's going to be a little different story. I think this is going to be a tight match. Um, Casper's been playing great. He's almost the forgotten man like in the top ten. A lot of people don't talk about him as being a contender for a lot of titles, but the guy just wins matches. He's learning more and more how to play on the hard courts. This is a slower hard court, so I think it fits his game even more. Uh, I think he's got a, I think he's going to win this one. I think it's going to be a tight battle, though. All right. Uh, Rude's a top ten player now. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with James. Um, the stat that that uh, Jim Courier actually taught me when I was listening to him uh, earlier this year is that as far as just total RPMs on the ball, you would think, hey, it's probably Rafa. Uh, on the forehand side, it's Casper Rude uh, in the aggregate of, uh, of last year. So the guy can move the ball. And listen, that win in San Diego last week, no joke. The guy's got some momentum. Uh, I like him moving on. What do you think, Jeannie? Yeah, he's won a lot of matches, and there's something to be said about winning titles and going to a city and leaving and not losing a match. And so when you win, it, you become in the habit of winning. And so he's definitely in form. And James mentioned he's the forgotten man in the top ten because he's Casper the Ghost. I just had to say it, and now I'm done. <laughs> now I'm done. Just, just mic just drop. Drop, drop in your little nugget and, and, and walking out and then dropping the mic. Uh, Sasha Zverev tonight, James, against Gal Monfils. I mean, this is under the lights. This is Monfils. He, he loves that atmosphere he's been playing so much better since the fans have been back what does he need to do to beat the german I think he needs to continue with the highlight reel. I mean, he's um, he's someone that plays defense so well. One of the best athletes we've ever had in the sport, I think, in terms of his physicality, um, the speed, um, the fitness. So I, I just think he's got to play that that level of defense. But I just don't know if it's going to be enough against Vera. Vera is one of the, the type of guys that can actually hit through him, that can uh, construct the points well enough that he doesn't have to just hit one ball to hit a winner. Um, so I think it's going to be a real tough battle for Monfils. He does have the head-to-head uh, over him in his career, but it hasn't been recent. So um, I think Zverev will forget about all that and, and have his uh, have a, a good night tonight. Yeah, I, I kind of always side with confidence uh, most of the time. And, and Zverev has it in bunches right now. As James mentioned, he's one of the handful of, of guys uh, or, or, uh, or gals in this tournament that can actually go through this court. Uh, he's going to get some uh, through some easy service games. He's serving bombs. I love his rhythm on his first serve. His second serve is kind of holding it together. It's always a bit of a tightrope walk. But he doesn't have those peaks and valleys anymore. And we know Gael, for, uh, for the show, he's gonna, it's going to look like a heart rate monitor a little bit. So I, I like Zverev. All right, looking forward to it. All four of us back tomorrow. We'll do it again. We'll run it back. Jeannie will be with us uh, throughout the day here on the Tennis Channel desk. James and Andy, you got the rest of the day off. You you can chill, hang out, shave the beard, maybe not, whatever you want to do. Diego Schwartzman walking out onto the court right now. There is Casper Ruud. Thanks so much for joining us here on TC Live. We will be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Excuse me, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's the numbers, James. It's the numbers. Jim Courier, Brett Haber, have the call of this one after the break.